0: Well, good morning everybody. Welcome to Northridge Church. Really glad you're here, whether you're in the room or you're online. Uh, I can't see you, but you can see us. And so thank you for being here. Uh, Well, guess what? You've already learned this. We've already talked about this, but today is the first Sunday of Advent which means it's the first day of the season called Advent and what we call Christmas, which is when we celebrate or we prepare to celebrate the hope of this world, which is Jesus. There is no greater thing than to worship God, than to worship Jesus. And so we have an opportunity to do that for this entire season. And so that's what we're going to do. Now, Uh, When we get to the Christmas season, let me just ask you this, there are a lot of things that you hear about, but one thing that you hear and you see this word a ton throughout the Christmas season is the word peace, right? We hear a lot about peace during Christmas, and I think it's largely because it just we have that connotation of peace. When we think of Christmas, we think of Jesus in the manger, right? And, uh, for example, I took this uh, picture uh, of our ornament on our tree, and it says peace on it. We have several of these ornaments. They say peace all over it. If you've noticed, we have our signs now are available for those of you that ordered for them. We do have a few extra, not many extra, but we have a few extra because some people have already grabbed extras already uh, this morning, but we have a few extra. But one of the signs says peace. When you think about Christmas, one of the things that comes to mind, one of the things that we see all the time is the word peace. And so Christmas and peace are kind of, synonymous. They kind of go together, at least in our minds and how we see this. But the question I want to ask today is this. Is true peace, is perfect peace actually possible in this world? Is perfect peace actually attainable by us as human beings? on earth is it even possible now my guess is that right away you would guess what my answer to that would be right you would guess okay you're probably going to say yes and and that would be true and so what I want to do is I want to talk about today how do we find peace how do we experience peace In this world, in this life, in the midst of all of the things that are going on in our world today, pandemic and otherwise, how do we experience peace? So today we begin a brand new series, very simply called Peace. Now, it's not peace, it's peace, right? We put a question mark on the end of that word because, I don't know about you, and I mentioned this at the end of the message last week. I wasn't planning on it, but I mentioned this. I don't know about you, but it seems like of all the things that is missing in this world lately, the last couple of years, it would be this. There seems to be a severe drought, a severe lack of peace in this world. And so, I think for this month of December, for the Christmas season, we need to talk about where is peace and how do we find it? What does God say about it? So, that's what we're going to be talking about for this Christmas season. Where is peace? How do we find it? All right. So, as you guys know, Christmas is all about the birth of Jesus. And so, I want to start there. I want to start in the book of Luke when Jesus has just been born and laid in a manger. Do you remember what happens next? After Jesus is born and laid in a manger, do you remember what God does next? God sends an entire army, an entire host of angels, out to the middle of a field in the middle of the night to a bunch of shepherds watching their sheep. Do you remember that? And he sends the angel, and the angel comes out and scares the shepherds, right? And that's why he says, don't be afraid. It's okay. I bring good news. I'm not here to take you out, right? that would have been freaky, right? All of a sudden, like, it's dark and then angel comes in. And so he's like, don't worry, I'm here. Good news. Jesus, the Messiah, has been born today in the town of David. Whew, that's awesome. And then the whole host of angels show up in the sky. That would, must have been pretty awesome. And I want to read for you what they all say together. All these angels, imagine one voice, all of them in unison saying this together. Luke 2.14 says, glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those, to the people with whom God is pleased. Peace on earth. Peace on earth. Jesus arrives as a baby and ushers in, the announcement is made, peace on So is peace possible? Yes. But how? Well, in order to answer how, we actually have to go back several hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born. I want to take you back to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is a prophet who writes about, largely about more than anything else, he writes about the promises of God that are going to come in the future. And so I want to take you back to the book of Isaiah. I'm going to read one verse. We're going to focus on one verse here today. It's Isaiah 26, verse 3. And I'm going to read it here in just a moment. But before I do, let me just tell you that this is written by Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. God directs him to write this about God to the people, to the Israelites, but also to you and I because it's in God's word. And so when I read this, understand that it's Isaiah talking about God to you and I. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, a promise of what is about to come, about what God is going to do. He says, you, that's God, God will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All whose thoughts are fixed on you. Now, this is saying perfect peace. It says, he will keep in perfect peace. Peace. Not some kind of peace. Not just silence in your home. Not just your kids are playing okay together in the basement for once in your life. Not that kind of peace. We're talking about perfect peace. Now, some of you would put perfect peace and your kids playing together well in the basement in the same category. I understand. I would too. So I get that. But the point is that it's perfect peace. It's peace that is much different and much deeper and much more than just silence or tranquility. Now, I don't know about you, but I am way more familiar with a different kind of peace. I am familiar in my life, and maybe you're familiar in your life, with an inconsistent peace. Anybody relate? I am more familiar with a broken peace, a peace that doesn't seem to last, a peace for me that can be taken away in a moment with a call, with a text, with an angry child that says, he touched me and he did this. My peace that can be taken away in a moment by somebody cutting me off in traffic. Anybody lose peace when that happens? Or how many of you go, Thank you for cutting me off and slowing me down. God's peace to you. Heck no. If you believe that, yeah, I, I don't believe that for a second. I know what goes on because I know what happens in me. And it's not peace. The first, my, my first thought is not peace. My first thought is not holy. My peace can be taken in a moment. Right? Because what we know is true. You can have money in the bank, but no peace in your heart. Right? You can have a marriage and a house, but no peace in your home. Now we're hitting close to home, I know. Nerves, right? We're hitting some close stuff. You can have a job and friends and and a paycheck, but no peace in your life. Why? Because peace is that we chase after sometimes is fleeting. It's elusive. It's hard to get and it's hard to keep. But in Isaiah, he's talking about a different kind of peace. He's talking about perfect peace. Peace that is not fleeting. Peace that can't go away. Peace that cannot be taken from you. Peace that the world cannot give. In fact, do you know what the word is in the Hebrew language for peace? I bet you do. As soon as I say it, you're going to say, oh, I knew that. You know what the word is? Shalom. You know what the word means? It's right in front of you. It means wholeness, completeness, the fullness of peace. It doesn't mean quiet. It doesn't mean tranquility. It could involve those things, but it doesn't mean that. It means that you are whole, W-H-O-L, It means that you're right with God and God is right with you. It is an inner tranquility. It's an inner strength. It's an inner confidence that you have that everything is good even when everything around you is not good. It's peace that transcends your ability to understand. It's peace that transcends whatever is happening around you. Shalom. In fact, it's interesting, but if you look at the original verse in Isaiah 26, verse 3. Now, I read it in the English because most of us, we don't know Hebrew, including me. I have to look these things up, okay? Yes, I learned Hebrew, but I can't speak it fluently, you understand, I'm not going to be able to go to Israel and just, you know, have a conversation. I can't do that. And so I read this in English. But it's interesting if you go to the original Hebrew, which is what Isaiah was written in when he wrote it. He wrote it in Hebrew. It says literally now I'm not going to say all the Hebrew, but it says he will. God will keep in perfect. And it doesn't say perfect. It says he will keep in shalom, shalom. It literally says shalom two times in a row. It says, he will keep in shalom, shalom. The word is squeezed together two times. Now, the reason we have to say in the English language perfect peace is because, I don't know about you, but if you're reading your Bible and it says, he will keep in perfect or he will keep in peace, peace, right? If you're reading, he will keep in peace, peace, you'd be like, "Uh, somebody messed up. Somebody printed it wrong. Somebody translated this wrong. No, they didn't actually because it says shalom, shalom. It says, peace, peace, which is interesting. So we had to come up with a translation that works in the English language, and so we said, perfect peace, but what it actually says is, peace, peace. In other words, what Isaiah was trying to communicate from God directly is, God wants to give you a double portion of his peace. A perfect version of peace, then, you can come up with. He wants to give you a peaceful peace, if you will, a peace that cannot be broken, a peace that cannot be taken. It's a double portion of peace, regardless of what's happening on the outside. So a lot of you know I've been through the hardest year of my life. I haven't been sugarcoating it. When people ask how I am, I, I'm, I would, I, I've been telling people it's been the worst year of my life. And just so that we're clear when I say that, I mean, most of my years, if this is rankings, right? If this is like the worst and this is like the best, that all, almost all of my years are over here. And then 2020 was like somewhere right in here. me last year was around here all my years good 2020 was down here a little bit like it was somewhat removed from good and and it was kind of bad little did I know that I was going to go into 2021 and it was going to fall off into the deep end of the pool for me I didn't know that but 2020 was not great it was okay it was not great but it was basically a cakewalk compared to 2021 which is over here for me I've had more grief, more tears, more pain, more stress, more doubt, more conflict than I've ever had in probably my whole life combined in this year. So I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's been the worst year of my life. Now, why do I bring that up? You guys know I've lived, I've tried to be very transparent with you through this season, through this year. I've cried a lot in front of you. And I think that's important because I need to be honest and real with you just like I would expect you to be with me. But I can tell you this, that throughout this entire year, I have had significant and frequent times of incredible God-given peace. Sometimes it's come when I was reading Scripture, when I was in, in the Word. Sometimes it's been when I was praying. Sometimes it was when I was by myself and I'm just crying. But God's peace has been more real to me this year than I can ever explain at other times. God's peace has been real, his perfect peace. Not because life was good. Life has been awful this year. My peace, the peace that God has allowed me to experience at times and throughout this year is because I am right with God and God is right with me. It's not because I'm perfect. But it's where God says, you're my child. You're still my child. I'm still good, and I still love you. And I have experienced that over and over again this year. Shalom, shalom. Perfect peace. I love what Craig Rochelle says about peace. He says this and so true. He says, peace isn't found in the absence of problems, but peace is found in the presence of God. Amen to that, right? Church, I hope, my hope and my prayer is that you would come to know this, experience this, realize this on the deepest possible level in your soul. That peace is not found in the absence of problems. If you are looking for a life free of problems, it's not one on earth. How many many people do you know have had zero problems in your life? Anybody? Raise your hand. Anybody? know Anybody that has had zero problems in their life? Me neither. I don't know anybody either. You know why? Because they don't exist. Even Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart because I have overcome the world. Peace is found in the presence. It's by walking with God on a daily basis. It doesn't matter what you're doing, whether you're home alone, whether you're watching football, whether you're playing in a basketball tournament. It does not matter whether you're at school, whether you're at work, whether you're with your family, whether you're with your enemy. God can give you shalom, shalom, Peace, Perfect peace in his presence. Now, the question that you probably have, because I have it, is how in the world do you get it? How do you experience God's peace? Well, uh, we don't have time to unpack all of that, all right? But let me just kind of go back and talk about the fact that the battle for peace begins where we all know it begins. We just don't say it out loud and we just don't think about it all that often, which is funny because that's where it starts. The battle for peace in your life starts here, in your mind, with your thoughts. The battle for peace begins right here. You know why it begins here? Because what happens up here is an inner story that we play. This inner story can tell you you're good enough or you're not good enough. This inner story can tell you you're too good. You're better than everybody else. This inner story, it can tell you that you need to doubt God because nobody can prove God. And so your inner story can tell you that. Our thought life can trick us. It can make us believe that somebody else across the room thinks something about this because they were laughing and looking at us at the same time. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't, but the inner story plays what you believe. The battle for peace begins here in your thought life. And so, sometimes... What we do, I don't know if this is true for you, but sometimes it's true for me. Sometimes what we do is we believe God's promises are true for other people, but not true for us. Did you catch that? Because this is one of the most significant lies that Satan, the thief of this world, he's stealing, he wants to steal everything from you. The thief of this world, Satan will plant this idea, this thought that God's promises are true for everybody else, but you're not good enough. God's promises are true, but you've done enough wrong that it doesn't apply to you. God's promises are true for everybody else, but he doesn't see your life. Your life isn't bad enough, and you don't have enough problems for God to take notice of you. He has to take care of the people that are really struggling. Do you see how insidious this inner story is? The battle for peace begins in your mind. And so let's go back to Isaiah 26. What does it say? If the battle for peace begins here, what does it say? It says you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. I love that in the different translations of the Bible, this is the NLT, the New Living Translation, uh, in the NIV, New International Version, it says, for those whose thoughts are steadfast on you. In the King James Version, in the English Standard Version, it says, those who are stayed on you. Stayed, steadfast, fixed, it's all the same thing. We need to put our mind, our focus, our thoughts on you. Jesus. In fact, I don't have this in my notes. There's been a lot of things that I've gone off of my notes already today. The good thing is you guys don't care because you don't know. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you don't know how far off I am sometimes. Woo! <laughs> Woo! What are your thoughts fixed on? Seriously, what do you think about all the time? Is it Jesus? Or is it something else? In fact, Philippians 4.8, the Apostle Paul, he backs this whole idea up hundreds of years later. This is what he writes. He writes, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. I'm pretty sure you wouldn't include TikTok in there. Just saying. Nope, not on the list. Pretty sure. Pretty sure the Apostle Paul would have been like, nope, TikTok does not make it. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And then in verse 9, he says, what will happen if you do that? Then the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. Where is peace found? Peace is found in the presence of God. Do you want God's presence? Do you want God to be with you? Then fix your thoughts on him. Fix your thoughts on him. Focus on him. Think about him. And he will be with you. And you now it's interesting, but in that verse in Isaiah, the Hebrew word for fixed or steadfast is "samak," not as in, I smack you across the face, but samak, right? Samak is a Hebrew word that literally translates to mean to lean on. To lean on something, to lean against, to support your weight on something so what this literally translates to mean is isaiah is saying you need to lean your thoughts you need to support your stress and your anxiety and your depression and your worry and your fears and your inner story and those lies that satan is trying to tell you you need to allow those things to lean off of you and lean onto god put them on jesus lean against jesus Because he's the only one that's strong enough to give you peace. If you lean on something else, you know what's gonna happen? You're gonna fall over. Let me give you an example. I want to see hands on this one. Uh, I'm just curious how many people have experienced this. How many of you have had one of these two things uh, happen to you where you've gone up to like, uh, you know, maybe you were out hiking or something, or maybe you were at an overlook or something, and you leaned against the railing and the railing gave way just a little bit like it moved on you and you went, oh, right? Or you sat down on a chair and the chair did this. How many of you love chairs that do this? How many of you love when your pastor dances? right? How how many of you have experienced either leaning against a railing that was loose or sitting on a chair that, that wiggled? Okay, good. So most of you in here, cool. So the question I have for you is this, how did that make you feel? Think about it. How did it make you feel? Did it make you feel more strong and confident? Did it make you lean on it harder? Did it make you sit down harder? No, it didn't, did it? You know what it made you feel? It made you feel uneasy, It made you feel insecure. It made you feel shaky and wobbly. It made you feel fearful of what was going to happen, didn't it? Guess what happens when you lean your life and your thoughts on things that are shaky, that are not founded in Jesus? You will feel insecure, uneasy, doubtful, fearful. You will not have peace. You can't have peace because you're not leaning on the right thing. It's wobbly. We lean on things all the time that are not Jesus. We focus on, we spend time and we consume ourselves with things all the time that are not Jesus. I have a few examples. No, seriously, we go to these things all the time, don't we? My guess is if we took a poll, most of us in here spend hours thinking about, consumed by, considering, dealing with these things this last week, especially because we were in turkey comas, right? Now, let me ask you a serious question. I, you don't need to raise hands. You don't need to respond. I just want you to consider this, and I want you to be honest about it with yourself and with God. When you spend time doing those things, how many of you walk away feeling better more at peace, completely wonderful and full of strength, full of holiness, you're just so good. You're ready to tackle the world after you've spent time on those things. How many of you would say, man, I walk away just at peace after I spend some time with that stuff? I'm not even going to warrant that question with an answer because we all know the answer to that. I know you don't walk away with that. In fact, you know what I know? It steals it. It takes it from you. You didn't know what you needed to worry about until you get involved in that. All of a sudden, you're hearing about all the bad in the world. You know why? Because bad sells. The only reason the news pedals what they pedal, because you're going to listen to it. We all want to see the accident. We all want to see the person that got pulled over for speeding. We're human. So they're going to sell it because we're going to buy it. Social media. You are going to compare yourself to everybody on there. You can't help it. You're looking at it. It's not going to make you feel at peace. You're just going to start comparing yourself to everybody else and how perfect and wonderful they are. Oh, they posted again about how their family got to do this. My kids are driving me nuts. Well, they didn't take a video of that. That happened five minutes before the post on social media. We all know that, but we don't think that. There's this moment that is recorded in the New Testament. Jesus and the disciples, they're in the middle of the lake. They're crossing the lake, and a big storm comes up. Most of you, a lot of you probably know this story pretty well. I've preached on it many times. It's in Mark chapter 4. And, and, and Jesus and the disciples, they're in the boat. They're going across the lake. This big storm comes up, wind, waves, maybe thunder and lightning. We don't know, but maybe thunder and lightning. But the wind and the waves and the storm is battering the boat so bad. It gets so bad and it's so dark and it's so nasty out there that the disciples literally think the boat is going to sink and they're going to die. And so they are freaking out. They're scared. And so what do they do? They have to get Jesus to solve the problem. You know what Jesus is doing in the middle of the storm? You guys know what he's doing. I don't know if Jesus snored, but you know, you get the point. He was sleeping. He was taking a nap in the back of the boat. All the storm is going on. The disciples are freaking out. They're bailing water, right, because the water's coming in. And the boat is sinking, and Jesus is just like... Just sleeping. And so they decide, let's wake Jesus up. We need him to do something. He needs to save us. And so they wake Jesus up. And he stands up. And I love, I don't usually read out of the King James Version, but I love what Jesus says in the King James Version. He stands up and he says, peace, be still. Peace, be still. I think Jesus calmed two storms in that moment. I think he calmed the one that is very obvious, it's clear. He calmed the storm that was raging on the outside. But then I think that he calmed the second set of storms, and you know what those storms were? Those were the storms that were inside the disciples. Right? It was the, it was the storm that was going on in here and in here, It was the disciples, they were scared, they were fearful, they were worried that their life was done, that their life was over. The disciples had a storm going on inside of them that was coming from the storm outside of them, inside from the outside. I think Jesus gave peace, shalom, shalom, that moment the disciples in the same way he wants to give you peace. I think he wants to calm the storm on the inside so that you can be free from the storm on the outside. So a lot of you have probably heard this and seen this because of social media but uh, some friends of Laura and I, from when I was a pastor on staff at a church in North Dakota, um, they had something pretty tragic happen just recently. Uh, it was the Waitman family. Uh, they're a family of six, and four of them were traveling in a vehicle last week, almost, just over a week ago now. And they had a horrible accident, rolled the car. And three of them were injured really badly. One was kind of minor injured. Three of them were injured very badly. The youngest of their family, Finn, number uh, he's eight years old. He ended up having a pretty traumatic major head injury. And as a result, would pass two days later. They did everything they could for him, but they couldn't do that. We have a picture of him just so you can kind of see um, who this is. So that's the family on the left, and Finn is on the right. There's a reason I bring this up. Um, The Waitman family are very, very strong. Christians. They follow Jesus faithfully. They don't even live in North Dakota anymore. They live in Colorado. But I want to share a post that Ricky and Becca, that's the the mother and father, the, the parents. Ricky and Becca. I want to share a post that they wrote six days ago. So this would have been a day, maybe two, after Finn died, their youngest son. Understand that their family just went from six to five in a moment. And I've wrestled with whether or not to share this post because it's not a safe post There's a couple of things in here that I wouldn't say are normally things that we would say in church. No, there's not swear words, but there's some intense stuff in what I'm about to read. But I've decided I'm not going to filter it at the risk of maybe a couple people being offended. But I think honoring what they wrote is really important. So I'm not going to paraphrase. I'm going to read it. And the reason I do this is I think you're going to find that in this post is a family who has a storm, a really significant storm, raging around them. And in the midst of that storm, it's obvious that they're not okay with what happened, but they're okay with God and they're at peace. Again, I warn you, fairly strong statements here. Ricky and Becca write, As many of you know, we've been dealing with a tragic accident over the last few days. Sadly, Finn... Finn didn't make it. Sadly isn't a strong enough word. Lots of you have been reaching out and praying for us. Thank you. One of Finn's favorite things to do was to be told a story. So I have a couple of stories to honor him with. This story is about a boy. This boy was specifically designed by God to change the world. He was God's warrior. He would have been on God's seal team six. I love that. Everything this boy did, he did as unto the Lord. He never held anything back and strived to be the best at it. School, sports, serving, loving, every time, everything was 100%. Tragically, eight years into his mission to change the world, it was cut short. The boy was so driven and wanted to complete his so badly that he came up with a plan. If his mission gets cut short, he'll leave pieces of him behind so that his mission will carry on. Other people will use those pieces of him to continue to change the world. Although this boy's race mission has finished, the goal will carry on through his gifts. This next story is about a family. This family had made it their whole life purpose to serve people, love people, and show people who Jesus is. They were doing the best they could and were doing a decent job at it. One day, a thief, just so that we're clear, that's Satan, that's the devil. One day, a thief saw the family and he was jealous of their efforts. His only goal in life was to steal, kill, and destroy. He came up with a plan to try to stop this family from their purpose. The thief stole their youngest son. He was sure that this would derail them, destroy them even. Little did the thief know this family was stronger than he could imagine. This family was created by the God of the universe for their purpose. Their work will be completed. All this thief did was wake a sleeping giant. All this family, although this family is hurting bad, they will get through the hurt, they will grow their strengths, refine their mission, and multiply their efforts. What the thief meant to be used for evil will be turned on him and expanded for good. This family was confused, hurting, and even a bit angry with God. But they were pissed at the thief. They made it their new purpose To take every opportunity to foil the thief's plans and attempts at destruction for other people around the world. This family will not only get through the hurt, they will grow and thrive through the pain, and that's what they did. We love you and feel your prayers. We know a lot of you are hurting and broken as well. Understand the mission, join us in it. Let's honor Finn by changing the world. Every day, find an opportunity to make a difference. Doesn't have to be a big life-changing moment. Just pick up trash, compliment a stranger. Do it all 100%. Do it all as unto the Lord. To Finn, we love you. You are always with us. You're the man and my little buddy. To the thief, suck it. We're coming. I know it's controversial, but I kind of like how he ended that. What has the thief done in your life to steal your joy and your peace? Whatever it is, whatever it is, I need you, I want you to understand that it is not from God, that it is Satan, it is the devil of this world who wants nothing more for you than to steal, to kill, and destroy, and take everything you have, everything that is good in your life, he wants to take every single thing that he possibly can that was ever good in you, and he wants to steal it, he wants to crush it, he wants to stomp it into the ground, he never wants you to remember God ever again and that's what he wants to do, and that's what he tried to do to the Waitmans, but I am thankful, and I lift the Waitmans up today. We've been lifting them in prayer, but I want to lift them up today to say, this is right, this is good. It's not that they love or they want what happened to their son. It's that they recognize that this is not God, this is the thief of this world, and he's trying to take and steal everything from them. And we need to say to Satan, suck it. (laughs) Get away from me. Get away from me, Satan. I want nothing to do with you. I want everything to do with God. How are you going to fix your thoughts, your eyes, your heart, your soul on Jesus? Because that's where peace is. Shalom, shalom, is found. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to simply pray for anyone in this room who is secretly carrying burdens, or pain, or things that Satan, the thief, the devil of this world has, has given to them, has handed to them, or has taken away from them. Lord, pray. I pray that you would help every person in this space, every person listening online, Remind them that you are good, that you are holy, that you are powerful, that you want to offer them something that the world cannot give. Jesus, you said this. I give something that the world cannot give. I give them peace. This peace I give you, the world can't give. God, remind us of that. Help us to fix our hearts, our thoughts, our entire life on you. May our foundation, may we lean against you, Jesus. May the battle raging inside of us be silenced by the peace that you offer to us. We ask this and we pray this in the matchless great name of Jesus. Amen.